I'm Nick Harcourt and welcome to another episode of The Sound of Success, the podcast where we talk with movers, shakers and just plain cool people about music. Today we welcome actress, singer, comedian and author Sandra Bernhard to the show. Sandra's first brush with the zeitgeist was in the late 70s and early 80s with her stand-up comedy where she skewered politicians and the then new phenomenon of celebrity culture. Sandra is perhaps best known for portraying Nancy Bartlett Thomas on the ABC sitcom Roseanne from 1991 through the end of the show in 1997, and recently played nurse Judy Kubrick in the FX drama series Pose, and currently Fran in the new season of American Horror Story. Her other work includes Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy, where she played a crazed fan who, along with Robert De Niro's Rupert Pupkin, kidnaps talk show legend Jerry Langford, played by Jerry Lewis, and she's also released albums in both comedy and music. Sandy, it's been a minute or 17 years since we last spoke about music. Wow, so much to catch up on. But first up, thanks for hanging. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. In spite of you know, the swirling world events, seismic shifts in culture and, and you know, the, the big chasms in, in, in politics, and and America, really, you know, where people are feeling kind of torn asunder, I still think that there is an underlying bedrock of connectivity and humanity and love. And I think that, you know, it's just, it's about plugging into it. It's about clearing your kind of external forces of all this negativity and, and, and trying to stay off social media as much as possible because it just seems to be I mean, some of it's really interesting and it's great to connect with people that you like, like-minded people. But when you start getting, you know, kind of off the beaten path, it might be things that none of us can process really fully. And I think it really interferes with happiness and, um, and balance in our lives. What's your, uh, what's, your, what's your take on what's going on at Twitter right now with Elon well, I, I think it's awful. I think it's a bummer. I mean, it's a nice forum. I mean, nice. It's a good forum, and I, I follow a lot of interesting people. It was a good idea. It was a good idea. I, I don't know if it's going to be sustainable. I don't know what's wrong with him. Uh, I mean, I'm not a, uh, you know, a professional healthcare worker, so I can't identify what his neuroses or, you know, serious condition is but there's definitely something wrong and i think that more and more we see this sort of percolating with people who have great success and and a lot of money and i think that it's um it's it's dangerous but it's it's also just a nuisance for a day-to-day um interaction when you when you need to go somewhere and just say hey i'm having this idea this thought and then all of a sudden it just gets piled on with all kinds of uh, mis- mis- misnomer and, 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 and stupidity. So it's just a hard time. I find myself spending less and less time on social media, apart from just pimping my shit, to be honest with you. Because whenever right. I get there and look at the insanity there, I'm like, that's, get me out of here. That's what I mean. I mean, I, I post things that I think are interesting, sometimes political, sometimes just purely for, you know, promotion and getting the word out that I'm performing or in the show. Um, and then I just jump off of it because it's just, it's just so draining. And you go down that rabbit hole, it's just nowhere. You know, you said that you weren't a, a, a professional uh, medical person, but <laughs> you, you've played one on TV. 
let's talk about Pose. The the show was created uh, by a few folks, including Ryan Murphy, uh, and it takes place during the AIDS crisis in the 80s and 90s in New York City's ballroom culture. I saw an interview you did with Seth Meyers a couple of years ago where you told him you schmoozed your way onto the show. Can you share the details about how you landed the gig and why it's so important to be telling these stories today? Well, I actually um, ran into um, Stephen Canals and Our Lady J, who were two of the writers and producers. Stephen Canals really created the show and pitched it over 100 times before Ryan Murphy signed on with it. And I was on a flight with Judith Light from L.A. to New York, and she was talking with them and was friends with them and sort of introduced me. And then I just, at the baggage claim, I just said, hey, if there's anything coming up on Pose that would be right for me, I'd love to be a part of it. And then a week later, they called and they were casting the role of Nurse Judy. Mm. And um, they said, yeah, we want you to play this role. And then they expanded it for me over the two seasons. So it was fabulous. and full circle experience for me to have been um, on the scene back in the 80s, as we all were, um, 80s, early 90s, losing a lot of friends and people that we loved. Um, and I think, uh, you know, a lot has gotten lost in translation over the years. And I think that every generation needs to be reminded of how people activated and also survived. And then with... Um, the uh, 11th season of American Horror Story, we revisited that time again. So it's sort of, sort of funny. I play a completely different kind of character. You did an episode in the apocalypse season a couple of years ago. And as you mentioned, this year you've been busy in the in the new season, which is called right. New York City. Yes, exactly. I play a character named Fran who um, gets sort of like, you know, thrown into all sort of, you know, the occult and the craziness of that mm. time. Uh, so... It was a different take on that time, but nonetheless, also examining how the AIDS crisis affected people in New York specifically, but how it, you know, radiated out from there across the world. I haven't seen this, uh, this, this new season, but the wiki page hmm. for, for the show just describes your character as a, a lab assistant with dangerous information about the U.S. government's experiments She's also a lesbian activist and fortune teller. She's got a lot going on. <laughs> I, I know. All of a sudden, I was like, one day I was this, next day I was that. I was like, okay, I'm go, I'm going along for the ride. It was a fun, it was a fun experience and stretching my acting abilities, which has really been uh, so incredible. I'm so grateful to Ryan Murphy for having faith in me and giving me these opportunities now. As we're recording this, it's uh, the middle of December 2022, and we are, you know, on the other side of the worst of, of the pandemic. Uh, but before we started recording, I was talking about something a couple of years ago, and I've just completely lost two years. I don't, I, I just have no memory of, of a whole bunch of stuff. And then there's times when I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that just happened, you know, I don't know, what, two years ago? And it's like, no, five years ago, because you lost three how did you make it through COVID? Were you in New York City? Were you sort of locked down? When were you able to get out and about and start working again? Well, I mean, it was a stop and start situation, you know, for the, obviously for that first, I've lost track too. I can't, I can't identify. First year for sure, I, right? I was lucky because we were able to pick up um, Pose about six or eight months into the pandemic under strict COVID, you know, guidelines 
So I, I got to work on that, which was amazing. And then I did a few performances. And then last year I was supposed to do Joe's Pub. And literally a week, maybe a week and a half before the gig, they canceled it because Omicron swept through. Mm. So now here we are, you know, three years since New Year's Eve, 2019, when people were wandering around Joe's Pub going, this was the worst year of my life. And I was just like, and I go, wait, wait until you see what's coming. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so now we're back. We're going to do Joe's Pub again, uh, 2022 into the new year. I feel optimistic. I feel good. I've started to go back on the road. I'm doing gigs. Um, I'm, I'm in it, you know? I just, I do my own radio show on Sirius XM, Channel 102, every Thursday at one o'clock, Sandyland. Mm -hmm. I, I steal music from um, Nick Harcourt's list um, <laughs> from the fabulous, um, you yeah. know, uh, station out in california which is what i listen to exclusively when i'm out there too well thank um, you so i'm uh i'm back in the you know the thick of it what else? there's nothing to say i'm just like yeah i wish we hadn't lost this two years but the good news is i feel that it in some ways for people like us gave us a chance to recharge and look at the you know the whole picture the landscape um of where we've been where we're going and just was a, a chance to shut down completely without any compunction you know and that's that was a sort of an, an unusual opportunity for everybody and we all learned how to do um interviews on on zoom which is yeah what we're which is taken over yeah I, i've almost got the hang of it um, almost we, we almost all have the hang but not quite <laughs> Let's jump into the, the music questions. Yes. What is your first musical memory? Okay, well, there's a couple. Uh, my mother, who played piano, playing Ravel and Debussy um, pieces on the piano. My father listening to Slaughter on 10th Avenue, which was some sort of a musical, you know, of that time, mm -hmm. on his Fisher stereo, which if anybody touched that stereo, we would be in serious trouble. <laughs> and then my brother, Dan, my oldest brother of three brothers, playing his guitar and the two of us singing If I Had a Hammer. So I was probably five <laughs> or six years old. Fabulous memories. They were. They are. I remember my, my dad, I, I lived with my dad briefly for a few years when I was 13 or 14 or something. And he had a, I think they called it a stereogram or something. It was like a box, like a, a wooden box on some legs and you lifted yeah. up a lid and the record player was underneath he wouldn't That's let right. me touch it wouldn't yeah let me anywhere same thing. Near it. So, okay same thing you're not putting your rock and roll shit on that you know <laughs> no no way what about music that you bought what was the first music you bought with your own money um two albums carol king's tapestry and Joni mitchell's ladies of the canyon oh fantastic i mean you can't get too much better than those two no you can't what was the first concert you went to without any adult supervision? Well, I'm cheating a little bit because this is such a such a great concert. I went we my friend Diane and I, with her father, who was sort of distanced from us, went to see Simon and Garfunkel in Phoenix in nineteen sixty eight or nine. I mean Either that was my first three. concert. Yeah, I know. Um but not that old, but nonetheless. I just couldn't. How can you not say Simon and Garfunkel? 
Do you, do you remember how you felt? Do you remember the feeling of yes. being in a, in a space with all those people watching yeah. these two guys? It was incredible. And I, and I was wearing a, a, a blue pleated wool skirt and a yellow, blue and white wool turtleneck. Uh, that was my outfit. Now, now, do you remember that or are there pictures? No, there's no pictures. I just remember it. What do you listen to when you want to dance? Um, now or just for, just in general? I, I, there's three people I pick. Diana Ross, The Stones, and Prince. That'll make you dance. Yeah. Do you, listen, do you listen to music when you're sad? And if you do, do you listen to music to get you out of that place or to just sort of burrow in? Well, I, I mean... Traditionally, when I've been sad, I've listened to Cat Stevens and Joni Mitchell and Laura Nero. I saw Laura Nero um, when I was living in Woodstock. She played the Bearsville Theater there probably 30 years ago. Amazing. I saw, I saw her several times at the bottom line. Right. And got to meet her and hang out with her. And she was, she was otherworldly. You know, she was there, but you've sensed that she was kind of floating above everybody. Next question is one that we just recently added to the, this questionnaire. Uh, it's sort of like the, the Desert Island Discs thing. If you could only hear one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow by Carole King. Fabulous. Do you have a favorite music video? Well, I was a video addict when MTV first came around. So I think one of my favorite videos was um, Eurythmic Sweet Dreams. Their videos were always like a cut above, a cut above you know. Um, they just had a sophistication to them that other people just lacked. Do you have a recent musical discovery that you'd like to share with our listeners? It doesn't necessarily have to be a new artist, but just something that's new to you. Well, uh, listening to, to your station, I got her into Japanese Breakfast. Oh, she's fantastic. Have you checked yeah. out the, the whole album? I, I haven't, but I need to. I mean, I, the, this, the first song I heard was Be Sweet. Yeah, she's great. Awesome. Do you have a, a band or an artist that you love, but you think perhaps they never quite got the big break they deserved? Um, it's an uh, it's a solo artist, P. P. Arnold. Um, she was a London-based performer, and um, sort of recently discovered her. She was on the soundtrack of Gaslit, and right. she should have been a huge star. Do you have a musical guilty pleasure? White Snake. <laughs> I love that one. I knew a guy who played in that band once. <laughs> um, yeah, fantastic. Oh, man. You, all of a sudden, you're like taking me back. I haven't heard the name Whitesnake for many years. Yeah. And that's it. Suddenly, we're at the end of this. How, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm home. I'm in New York. Um, it's a Friday. Uh, things are... You know, I'm, I've got stuff going on, but today is sort of, it's been raining nonstop all day and it's kind of crazy rain. So I was supposed to go out. I didn't go out. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm gearing up for the holidays. There's a lot on the plate. Joe's Pub, there's some other things I've been working on, projects that one in particular I'm hoping um, catches fire after the new year. It's a television project and um, and a couple of other things that I'm working on. So I'm just like, I really have learned as much as I can to take it slowly, minute by minute, day by day, and just chip away at what I can do, what I can control, and um, keep all the plates spinning. 
Well, thanks for hanging out with me. It's been such a pleasure to catch up with you again. Always, Nick. I mean, I just want to say all the years that it was such a joy and pleasure to come into to the studio back in the day in Santa Monica mm. and get to play music with you and get to know you and have such great deep respect for your music your musical knowledge and and love for the for the for the art and you always you always find the best artists and turn us on to it and you're you're just a gem you're you're you know you're one of the true greats in in in, in what you do and we love you very much you can see me blushing right now can't you i mean Thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of your work. And whenever I get to talk to you about anything, but uh, music in particular, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. Big kiss, honey. Kisses, Ben. Happy. The Sound of Success is hosted and produced by myself, Nick Harcourt, for Spark Network. Our theme music is by Keita Klein. For more episodes, find us on Spotify, Apple, sparknetwork.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 